What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today we're honored to speak to Dr. Sheikh Dr. Hassan Al-Kittani. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh, how are you? Wa alaikum assalam, so happy to be with you. Very happy to have you with us. Sheikh Dr. Hassan Al-Kittani has a PhD in Fiqh and Usul from the Islamic University of Minnesota. He is the head of the Arab Maghrib Scholars Association and is also a member of the General Secretariat of Muslim Scholars Association. He has published more than a dozen books across a range of Islamic sciences. Sheikh Hassan is the founder of Ibn Abdul Bar Academy, whose primary purpose is to spread the authentic teachings of Islam through classical texts with a deep awareness of the specific challenges of our time. This is done with a focus on preserving and transmitting the great legacy left by the scholars of Andalusia and North and West Africa. MashaAllah. Sheikh before we dive straight into the issues, perhaps you may give us a, a quick background about your your upbringing and uh, Islamic education. Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy to be with uh, this uh, beautiful channel that I've been following years ago, and I used to uh, be so uh, uh, so curious about uh, what it gives and uh, what it's. Uh, it's uh, what it's uh, it pre presents to people. So, so I'm so happy to be with you. For the question that you, so the question about the question that you just asked me, I have two types of uh, studying. I studied academic studies, which was uh, in uh, the beginning. My primary, my secondary school was in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia school. And uh, I took the science science uh, uh, branch, and I studied uh, business administration later on in Morocco. After I took my uh, uh, my high school, I went to I, I went back to Morocco. That was in 1990, uh, and uh, that's where I took my uh, business administration in an uh, uh, an academy in, in in Morocco. It was in English. Because I don't know French actually, mm -hmm. so therefore I uh, uh, I had my four years, and then after that uh, I wanted to study Islamic studies, so I went to Jordan, where I uh, went to uh, uh, Al Bayt University, mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I started my master directly Inshallah. from, uh, and I took my master there. I finished nineteen ninety nine. Where I went back to Morocco, uh, I. But besides this study, I used to study in the masjid. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to the masjid to memorize my Quran, to study tajweed, and all these primary lectures. I had several shuyukh in the masjid. Uh, in the in the masjid of I, I used to live first first in Dharan, which is uh, Eastern Arabia, mm -hmm. and then I lived in Jeddah. 
and uh, I used to go to the two harams, Mecca and Medina. And my grandfather used to live in Mecca, and he used to give lectures in Medina as well. So I used to participate sometimes in his lectures in Mecca or Medina. That, that I was still young, actually. So I used to participate, but, you know, hmm. you just take the image of your grandfather giving you the lecture in the haram, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> that was... Uh, uh, that was very interesting for me as uh, a child. So, it's, so I mean, Islamic scholarship appears to run in yeah. the family in a way. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, all my grandfathers were scholars, actually. Mashallah, so mashallah. My father and my mother from the two sides. Mashallah. So therefore, uh, um, so therefore, I uh, started. I used to participate sometimes in other lectures in the Haram. Mecca or Medina, Sheikh Abu Bakr al-Jazairi, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, Rahimahullah, Sheikh Atiyah Salim, you know. But later on, when I grew more than that, I was a teenager, I used to participate in a serious lecture in Jidda by Sheikh Hassan Ayyub. Sheikh Hassan Ayyub was a famous scholar. He used to give lectures, and he used to have a, a very deep, uh, uh, several deep lectures in all Islamic science. So I used to participate with them. I used to be, I, that was, I was nearly 15, 16 years old. And he well, used well, to well, take care so, of me. Sorry, uh, was, was, he the, was he the Egyptian scholar? Yes, exactly. Well, he, yeah. he, he passed was, away a few years ago recently, right? Exactly. Allah he passed away nearly 13 years ago or something like oh, that. Oh, 13 years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. it, seems, it seems close, but yeah. Yeah, a bit, nearly 13 years ago. He used, oh, yeah. to be, used to be in Egypt and then in Kuwait. And then he came to Jeddah. Mm -hmm. So I used to participate in his lecture in the masjid. His lecture was very beneficial for me, for somebody like me when I was still young. And most of the students are are grown. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. like me. Mm -hmm. But the sheikh used to take care of me. He used to tell me, oh, your name is like my name, you know? Yes, so I, I used to love his lecture. I used to make my... And before that, I used to be, participate in the lecture in the masjid, Masjid Abu Bakr Siddiq, it's called, it's uh, Sheikh uh, uh, Muhammad Najib Al-Muti'i. He's very famous. Yes. He continued, he continued the book of Imam Nawawi, Sharh uh, Al-Majmur. Mm. Yeah. He's the one who continued. And I, I, I remember the last lecture he gave us when he, actually it was a, it was a farewell lecture because he went, he made a, a surgery operation and then he passed away. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was uh, a long time ago. <laughs> so, uh, and what, yeah. would you say uh, that uh, you know you you gravitated toward the Maliki school maybe because of your Moroccan background? Would would that would that have played a role? Uh, would or or did you get towards the school for, yeah. for other reasons? And then I'll tell you my story about the Maliki school. I'll tell you that. I'll I'll come back to that. Yeah, because it's important. Because in the beginning, I used to say, I don't follow any madhab. I'm ethnic. Mm. I just follow the Delhi. Yes, yes. There's, there's a story that happened that made me decide uh, another decision. So I, when I went back to Morocco, I used to go to uh, Sheikh, uh, to uh, the Shuyukh ibn Sadiq, Abdullah ibn Sadiq, Abdul Aziz ibn Sadiq, and Abdul Hay ibn Sadiq, and their student, Sheikh Abdullah Taridi in Tangier, Morocco. Mm. Uh, oh, and I took ijazas from them, and I used to participate sometimes. He used to ask them, visit them, you know. And in Rabat, I used to participate in a lecture by one of their cousins. He's from their cousins. His name is Sheikh uh, uh, Abdul Qadir, Abdul Qadir ibn Abdurrahman ibn Hisham ibn Siddiq. Mm. And uh, he, I studied, uh, I, I asked him to give us some lectures. 
So he started lecturing and he remained years. He said from Abi Zalqirwani, Al-Aqid Al-Tuhawiyya, Al-Ajrumiyya, Al-Alfiyya, Mukhtasar Khalil, all these uh, lectures. So, so therefore, uh, this, and there was another scholar in a, a city close to Rabat, it's called Sali, and there was a scholar there called Sheikh Mustafa Najjar. He's very, he's very famous. He was very famous there. And later on, he became the head of the scholars of, uh, of uh, Sally. And uh, I used to visit him in his house and study with him uh, some, some Islamic studies, uh, fiqh, especially fiqh. So, yeah, this is the, the environment that I, that I studied. Why did I change what happened? When I went to Jordan, when I went to Jordan and I studied there, I had some roommates from uh, uh, from Hadramaut. From mm. They were Shafi'is. They were Shafi'is. Yeah. And they used to live in Medina. And they used to study these uh, traditional books, uh, the poems, the, 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 the booklets about the every every kind of, uh, every branch of Islamic knowledge. Mm. So once one of them told me, and he was still young, 17 years old, and I was... Uh, uh, 20, uh, 24, 25, something like that. So he told me, you have more knowledge than me. This is what he told me. He said, you have more knowledge than me, but I'm more uh, stable than you. <laughs> you see? <laughs> I said, why? Well, how come? He said, because I study the the mutun and every medicine we know what is there, but you keep on going here and there and studying this and this. So you have a bunch of a uh, bunch of knowledge, but it's not stable. It's so all scattered. There, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah, mm. yeah. So he says, when I ask you, you say, well, I, my madhab is so-and-so. What's your madhab? And you don't, so you don't have a specific madhab. You don't have. So therefore, what is my, what is my, uh, uh, my story with the Maliki madhab? When I was still young, I remember I had Risat from Abi Zayd al-Qayrawani always with me. I bought uh, one of it, and it was always with me. But because my family weren't so stuck to only one opinion, they mm. were open. Mm. So they used to say we are Malikis, but we are open to the other schools. Mm. Mm. So therefore, I I took this copy and I started putting the Dalil uh, bes- it, uh, besides every branch there. I used to compare it with other books. I was still young here. I was. Uh. Maybe 13, 15, 14, something like that. Wow. But but I never was stuck to the Malikis. I, I knew I respect the Malikis and, and other the Madhab, hmm. but I wasn't stuck. But later on, when I when one of these uh, Yemeni brothers, he went to to his, to Medina and came back, and he gave me Dur al Bahiya of uh, Imam Shoukani, hmm. and he start he started to, he smiled. He says, "This is a matin in your Madhab." Which is uh, a new madhab, you mean? Yeah, so yeah. Said, okay, that's interesting. I, I like the book, and I started teaching it to my students. But later on, what did I discover? I discovered that I'm I don't agree about all what he says, and that's yeah. so. Therefore, I said, why shouldn't I go back to uh, uh, an old school, uh, a, a big school, an important school that is uh, more than one is, person? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it, more than one person, and it's uh, actually it's. It, a lot, uh, hundreds of scholars worked on it. Yes. So therefore, I decided there to go back to the Maliki school. Yeah. And I studied. I started teaching 
the, the, the books from the beginning, books, the primary books that usually Moroccan scholars used to teach. And I went, until now, I went, I'm, I'm like that. So I'm not, I don't say that I'm stuck to the, the, the famous opinion in the Maliki school, yeah. but I teach the Maliki school. I try to follow what is uh, supported by uh, the Dalil, but when I'm, I, I, can't, I don't have time or I can't uh, go deep, I just follow the the the, the yeah. You see, right, right, right. Perfect. Mashallah. Okay, so uh, you know, uh, you uh, it's mentioned that you know one of the objectives of uh, Ibn Abdul Bar Academy um, is to focus on the great legacy of uh, Andalusian and Western North African scholarship, uh, which I take to be referring to the Maliki tradition. So, so let's let's go back to his founder. You know, what, can you tell us a little bit about um, Imam Malik and and who was he and and what traits of his made him one of the most prominent scholars of our Islamic tradition? Okay, now when we speak about Imam Malik, Alhamdulillah, we're speaking about an, a great Imam that inherited the Medini school. So he's not a he, he didn't find the school. Mm. He's not a founder of the school. Mm. He didn't build a school. He didn't create a school. Mm. He inherited a school that exists mm. that existed. Mm. This school is called the Medini school or the Hijazi school. Besides the Iraqi school or Madrasatu Ahl Ra'i in Iraq, okay. which yeah. was in, later on inherited by Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah. See? So there so the, this school uh, was found by, but was was uh, created by Sahaba, and uh, the most uh, the famous Sahaba are the Khulafa al-Rashidun, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. But Ali didn't influence the people of Medina. His knowledge went to Iraq, mm. so the Iraqis benefit from him more than the Medinis. Mm. So we can say Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Aisha, Aisha. Abdullah ibn Umar, and Abdullah ibn Umar is the main Sahabi that influenced the knowledge of Medina. And that's why when you go back to Muttal Imam Malik, you would find Abdullah ibn Umar circling there from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. he's, he's the most one that Imam Malik used to, to, to benefit from his opinions. So, uh, so therefore, uh, I don't agree uh, with uh, with people who uh, who say that Imam Malik found this school, no, mm. Imam Malik didn't find the school. Imam Malik inherited the school, and that's why he all he keeps on always saying, and this is what I found my uh, my professors saying. This is what the majority of our scholars say. This is Muatta, and that's why Muatta is considered as the knowledge of. Medina, the knowledge of Medina or the knowledge of uh, scholars of Medina. Mm, mm, mm. And in the beginning, they used to call the Maliki school the Medini school. And you can find Imam Ibn Abdul Bar in his book Al-Kafi, says Al-Kafi fi fiqhi ahl al-Medina. Al-Kafi means uh, the satisfied book that mm. gives you what you need in the jurisprudence of the people of Medina, of the scholars of Medina. And you know there's a hadith Narrated by Imam Tirmidhi and others, where the Prophet says, 
يوشك الناس أن يضربوا أكباد الإبل فلا يجد أعلم من عالم المدينة It is, it is so close that people would travel by camels seeking knowledge but they won't find more knowledgeable than the, the, the Imam of Medina mm. and there, this is what, why Sufyan Sufyan ibn Uriyanath and others say it's, this is Malik and a lot of school scholars say that we don't know a scholar that all people used to come to and visit and seek knowledge uh, except Imam Malik and he's the one who created who had a lot of students in the world especially the western uh, Muslims western uh, people of Africa and, and northern Europe and South Europe you see so this is Imam Malik he Imam Malik ne- was nearly well, uh, he was born nearly in 93 Hijri mm. and he passed away in 179 and he remained in Hijaz. He never came out of Hijaz. Mm-hmm. It's only that he went to Hajj and Umrah and he came back to Medina. He didn't go anywhere else. So therefore, the question is, why did his madhab spread a lot in the West more than the, West, the East? Because people used to come to Hajj and they visit him and go back. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to go anywhere, you see? So uh, so that's why it spread and, and, and then he had a very strong personality that influenced people. He was very strict. He was very serious. He was uh, very, um, even uh, he was uh, very strict even near the, 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 lawyer, the governors. Mm. And that's why they punished him once. He was punished and he had a big tri- trial. Uh, so, yeah, this is the main thing about Imam Malik, and he used to respect the Prophet a lot. He, has, he used to give a big respect, even they say, according to Imam Qadir Iyad and Shifa, that Imam Malik didn't use to go to the bathroom inside Medina. He says, no, this is the land of the Prophet I won't do that. He, goes, he didn't use to wear slippers in Medina. He says, maybe I would step, step in a place where the Prophet steps. So subhanAllah, yani, this is his... Uh, and he used to feel emotion when he... Uh, he, used to, he used to feel it a lot when he recites the hadith of the Prophet he used to respect when he gives lectures about his opinions. It was easy and loose, not not loose. I mean, it was yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. But when he used to give lectures about hadith, he used to be very strict, and he puts this uh, perfume and uh, this incense, the beautiful smell, and bukhur uh, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so that he gives respect to the lecture. You know, and uh, it is said that Imam Malik was, he was giving a lecture, all of a sudden a scorpion came and started hitting him. And he, he, he remained there, he didn't change his, uh, his, uh, his way of sitting until he finished his lecture. And then he, he, he went, uh, he went uh, searching about what happened to him. Yeah. Imam Malik was very handsome. He says he has bald hair, blue eyes. <laughs> and he had a, a big mustache. He used to mm-hmm. say, I, "It's like Omar al-Khattab So he used to, uh, when he becomes, when he gets anger or something, he just uh, to, he plays with it like this, as Omar al-Khattab used to do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he doesn't uh, he doesn't trim it here mm-hmm. all over his lips. So mm-hmm. he leaves it from the two sides. And uh, he used to always wear his for his formal clothes, and people never saw his head uncovered until. Uh, he was uh, punished by the governor of Medina. Mm. So that's the first time they saw him without his turban. SubhanAllah. So he was very serious. Uh, 
Okay, as you said, you know, the Methab, um, you know, was was more than one person. Uh, several scholars con contributed to its uh, development. So perhaps if you may tell us in brief, you know, who are some of the most uh, important or uh, influential classical Maliki scholars who shaped and developed the Medhab to what has eventually become? Well, uh, Imam Malik had great students. Some of them focused on hadith and some of them focused on his opinions. So the, one of... One of his great students was Abdurrahman ibn al-Qasim al-Utaqi, the Egyptian scholar. Mm. And he remained with Imam Malik 20 years. He was stuck to him. 20 years doesn't go anywhere. It, they say that he left his son as a child in Egypt, mm. and he came back, he's 20 years old. So he, just, <laughs> he never saw him. I don't know. It was, is, it, is this exaggerating? Is it really? I don't know exactly, but this is what they say. So then Abdurrahman al-Qasim was a great imam. And uh, he had Abdullah ibn Wahb in Egypt. He was a great muhaddith. Mm. He had in Medina ibn Majishon. He had uh, Abu Mus'ab al-Zuhri, who was the judge of Medina. After mm. Imam Malik, he was, the, he was the great imam of Medina. Mm. Abu Mus'ab al-Zuhri from the descendants of Abdurrahman ibn Awf. And uh, he had uh, other students who came from North Africa, like Ali ibn Ziyad al-Tunsi, who took his muwatta to uh, North Africa, and uh, Ziyad ibn Abdurrahman Shabatul, who, who took his muwatta to Andalusia. And then we have Yahya ibn Yahya al-Layfi, who was the great judge of uh, Cordoba and Andal Andalus. And he came he from Andalusia to Imam Malik, and he narrated his muwatta. Now the muwatta, the more famous muwatta, is Yahya ibn Yahya al-Layfi's muwatta. Mm. He was a, from a Berber tribe called Masmuda. That's why they call him Yahya ibn Yahya ibn Yahya Al-Layfi al-Masmudi. So he's uh, originally Berber. Mm. And he spread his knowledge and he was a great judge there in in, in Andalusia, in Cordoba. We have uh, uh, a great imam who um, who, uh, uh, who who made his madhab, actually, we can say his book was the, 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 the very important book. This is Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad uh, what is his name? He was in Tunisia. Al-Asad ibn al-Furats. Asad ibn al-Furats. Asad ibn al-Furats studied the Kufi school and then he studied the Maliki school, the, the Madani school. So he mixed the two schools and he wrote the origin of Al-Mudawwana. Mudawwana is the second book after Al-Mutta in the, in the, the Maliki uh, sources. Mm. And, and, uh, and so, uh, how many years after Imam Malik's death is is this roughly? Um, no, Asad al Mufarat took from Imam Malik. He met directly. Imam Malik. Okay, so the subsequent generation. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah he's he's a, he's the second generation after, after Imam Malik. But he went to Tunisia and he remained Tunisia. He's the one who conquered Sicily. He was a judge and a muja Imam Mujahid. Yeah. And he he passed there. He he was killed. He was killed in the battles in the, in, in conquering Sicily. So he was a great Imam. And uh, his book was called Al-Asadiyya. So his student, Suhnoon ibn Sa'id, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. took the book and went back to Egypt and met Ibn al-Qasim and reformed the whole book. He went asking him again about all the questions and he started, and after he took from him the, 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 the authentic answer, he went 
narrating the narrations that supports those opinions. Mm. And uh, he made the whole book. Now, this book is called, is it's the main book after Al-Mu'fa. And some say it's the primary book of the Madhab. Oh. You see? Now, this is the second source. So we have it here. We have Al-Mu'fa of Imam Malik himself. We have Mudawwana of Suhnun. And, and just to clarify, uh, you know, because a lot of people may think that the Muwatta is only a collection of hadith. Uh, I think yeah, it's exactly. more than that. I mean, Imam Malik is also relaying his opinions, correct? And Imam Malik narrated there 600 narrations from the Prophet And the other 2,000, the completion of 2,000 narrations mm. are from the Sahaba, Tabi'un, Imams, and many of his opinions. Now, uh, now Al-Mudawwana, Mudawwana has 4,000 4, uh, narrations from the Prophet But it's it's very, I mean, six volumes, not nearly six volumes. And it has the opinions of Imam Malik. Mm, mm. He says that, he goes like this, I asked Ibn Qasim about so-and-so. I asked, what what is the idea of Mudawwana? The idea is Ibn uh, Asad al Furat was uh, was knowledgeable of the Iraqi jurisprudence. So he went to Ibn Qasim and he kept on saying, well, the Iraqis say, what does Malik say? The Iraqis say, what does Malik say? Mm-hmm. Until he made the whole book. But sometimes Ibn Qasim doesn't get it. So he says, well, I think so. I thought something like that. So when he went to uh, North Africa, the people there told him, well, what is this? Instead of giving us authentic knowledge, you came with Avunnu ah, Araitu. This, this doesn't work. I think I, I think so. So no one went back to him. said, no, I want, I want the authentic knowledge. So therefore, he started remembering everything <laughs> and he gave him the, 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 new, the new edition of the book. And he went to Abdullah ibn Wahb. He took from the Hadith and he took from Ali ibn Ziyad Tunusi. So it, it's not only the, the, the narrations of Abdurrahman ibn Qasim, it's narrations of others. Mm-hmm. But subhanallah, as I, I compared between the two books, I can say, I can say that Al Muatta is a pure Medini book, mm-hmm. but Al Mudawana is Iraqi Medini book mm-hmm. because he keeps on mentioning the opinions of Ibrahim Nakhai and others who are the Imams of Kufa. Kufa, yeah. yeah. So is it because uh, Asad al Furat actually? was an imam in two madahib, so he compared between them. Mm. That's what I think. And, you know, uh, fast-forwarding to today, I mean, where is the Maliki madhab mainly practiced? And, you know, is it practiced? Yeah, okay, therefore... Yeah, yeah, please. No, yeah, therefore, therefore... Oh, sorry. How did the Maliki school become the main school in North Africa and Andalusia? Mm. It's a decision of the governors. Yeah. yeah, the the governors of North Africa. Okay, now most of the scholars there spread the knowledge. Were students of Imam Malik, and they came back saying, "Hey guys, you know we met a great Imam in Medina. He's called Malik." Oh my God! So the new generation, the youth, started seeing Imam Malik a great Imam. So everybody was influenced by his. But when the the Ubaidi dynasty took place in North Africa, who were Shia. Mm. And they forced people to follow their type of the Shia uh, uh, jurisprudence. 
they started torturing the Malikis. They they killed many of them. They uh, imprisoned some of them. They by they 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 stopped them from giving lectures. So they went rebelling against the the regime. The Malikis, the Maliki scholars of North Africa, rebuilt against the Fatimis or the, the Ubaidis. You see, yeah. Until they're, 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 they decided to go to Cairo, and they they actually they found Cairo. And Muazzin al Fatimi, he's the one who built Cairo. He called it al Qahira al Muazzin. He's called Muazzin al Dinillah. So he built and he built al Azhar there to spread their knowledge. And he left as the governor in North Africa. Uh, uh, Ibn Badis, there's a Al Muizz ibn Badis, who was a, from a Berber tribe uh, from uh, Sanhaja, and they were the great. They 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 they, they were considered as a great dynasty there. So this Al Muizz ibn Badis decided to stop following the Shi'is and the Ubaidis, and he made the Maliki school as the former school in or the official school in North Africa. Mashallah. Has that remained uninterrupted till today? Or were there other interruptions? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to speak about those interruptions of actually, yeah. <laughs> in Andalusia, the, the Umayyads in Andalusia, in the beginning when they went to Andalusia, uh, there was a, a, a Madhab al-Awza'i, Imam al-Awza'i, who was the Madhab of all Syria. You know, he, he, was, mm. he, was, he, 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 he was born in Beirut, and uh, he was the great Imam of North of uh, Bilad al-Sham. So uh, you know, Umayyads are from originally from Damascus. So when they went there, they took this. But once Imam Malik heard about Abdurrahman uh, ibn Muawiyah, Abdurrahman Dakhil, yeah. who 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 created the Umayyad dynasty of of Andalusia. Yeah. So he was very just. He was good. So he said, "We wish that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." Gave us a governor like that governor. He said in Arabic, "Late Allah zayyana haramana bimithli hadha al-Amir." Late Allah zayyana haramana bimithli. We, we, I mean, we, he said, I, "I, I, I, I wish that God Almighty made our sacred land have a, a governor like that governor." So the Andalusians heard this. So he said, "Okay, no madhab except Malik." <laughs> 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 so he stopped all other rhythm <laughs> and he made them the judges he gave them all yes. so they became that's it no rhythm except fighting there in Andalusia <laughs> the same thing happened in North Africa in Morocco where the the the, the Murabitun took place the Murabitun mm-hmm. were very strict and Abdullah Yassin was a Maliki student or scholar actually and then he the, all of his uh, all of his students and his uh, followers were the, the the founders of this uh, of the state. So they were very strict in following the the, the Maliki Madhab. Mm-hmm. This had an interrupt uh, interruption um, uh, where the Muhidun took place. The mm-hmm. Muhidun were actually uh, so strange. They are the ones who forced people to follow the Ashari creed, mm-hmm. and they forced people to stop following the Maliki school. They became, they were Zahiris. They say, mm. there's a is this school. A, Ibn a, Tum, is this an Ibn Tumart move, uh, led move? The followers of Ibn Tumart. Okay. Ibn Tumart didn't see his state. His students, Ali ibn Abdul Mumin, Abdul Mumin ibn Ali, he's mm. the one who found the, the states. Mm. But Ibn Tumart was the school, the, was the teacher. Mm. So 
son of Abdul Mumin ibn Ali, who was known as uh, who is uh, Yaqub Mansur. Uh. Yaqub Mansur. Uh, it is said that uh, a scholar called Abu Bakr ibn al-Jadd al-Fihri, <clears throat> he's Andalusian, he came to visit him. So he told him, I've been here from the morning, since the morning, looking at these books, the Maliki books, Madawana uh, and stuff like that. He said, uh, I found them all full of uh, contradiction uh, opinions and stuff like that. He said, no, no, Sayyidi, I'll, sh I'll show you what does that say. Let's stop there. It's only this, and he showed him the Quran, or this, and he showed him Sunan Abi Dawood as the Sunnah, or this, and he showed him his sword. <laughs> so the the, the were very fanatic in this. Subhanallah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when they went away, when when their dynasty collapsed, everybody came back to the Maliki school. Mm. So this was this was the the great problem of the Maliki school and. In North Africa, when the Muhyiddin took place, but mm -hmm. it disappeared when the other dynasties came again. But the 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 serious problem is when the colonization came, French colonization and Spanish mm -hmm. colonization mm -hmm. stopped practicing uh, Islamic jurisprudence in the courts yeah. and in, in a lot of in a lot of uh, uh, aspects in the in the life. So there is no Sharia, mm. and the Sharia is the Madhab. The jurisprudence, the Madhab yes. is the jurisprudence. Yes, Malikis yes. so were strict in giving their their in the courts and giving their their views and stuff like that. Now we have secularism, which stopped everything. Mm. Although although many regimes right now claim that they follow the Malikis, the Maliki Madhab, but that's only blah blah. It's nothing. Yeah, lip service. Yeah, it's not. There is there is a serious following of the, the Maliki school. Yeah. And but now, if we but if we look at the practice of the common people, at least when it comes to the rituals of salah wudu and and whatnot, um, where would you say the Maliki madhab is primarily practiced today? It's uh, Mauritania and the Grand Sahara. Mm. It's somewhere in Africa because even Africans had this uh, um, this problem, this contradiction, and uh, some places or some schools that uh, in Algeria, in uh, even in uh, Saeed Misr in Egypt, mm. and even in um, and you know it, until recently the courts in Abu Dhabi used to follow the Maliki school. Yeah, until yeah. recently. Mm, so mm. the Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, uh, all, all all the Gulf states used to claim that they are Malikis. You know this? Yeah. Kuwait, uh, Bahrain, and uh, United Arab Emirates. Mm. And until that, until now, they claim that they are Malikis. You know, when you see the leaders there, they pray with their hands like this, as yeah. as if they are Malikis. You know, they don't they don't put their hands like this. They just yeah. leave it like this, yeah. as if that's the Maliki official opinion. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I can say. There are schools that are Malikis. They teach the Maliki uh, jurisprudence. There are some scholars who spread the, the, the Maliki uh, knowledge and stuff like that in Mauritania, in the whole Grand Sahara, in Algeria, Morocco, and a, a lot of places. Now. Even uh, in uh, Libya, the official opinion in uh, the, the fatwa there is, is Maliki. Like Sheikh Sadiq al-Ghariani, who's one of the great mm -hmm. scholars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a Maliki scholar. He has a great book in the Maliki jurisprudence. 
الفقه هي هاز مدونه الفقه المالكي وادلته جريت بوك 6 فوليومز And you know, would you say, because, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some people, they'll say, they'll look at the Hanafi Madhab, for example, and they'll say, you know, the Hanafi Madhab, as practiced in Turkey, for example, may not, may have, you know, uh, distinctions from the way it may be practiced in uh, the subcontinent. Uh, maybe so, there might be some cultural aspects that, that, that influence Uh, how certain opinions may be emphasized or overemphasized or, or practiced. Do you see anything similar with the Maliki Madhab that, you know, there is a kind of Libyan Malikiism versus a Moroccan kind of Malikiism, uh, even if it's not core but minor differences? Or do you think it's mil- mostly consistent and uniform uh, uh, across the board? Well, what I can say, I can say that uh, every state... tries to give its uh, its uh, flavor on uh, the religious uh, the, re- the religious way of life although they don't follow religion they're secular states secular in a way or another but they like to be they like to give their flavor for example Morocco or all North Africa they claim that they're Malikis, Ash'aris, and with a Sufi, uh, a Sufi meaning. The same thing in United Arab Emirates. But are they, are they really Malikis? Do they know? Do they follow the Maliki school? It's the same thing. Are Turkey, Turkish people, are they really Hanafis? Is Hanafi just following some, some action in, in prayer, in fasting, and something? That's not the whole, that's not only the Madhab. Madhab is more than that. It's a whole, it's a great school, huge school. Mm. So yeah, you can go to Morocco, you're going to find them praying in the Masajid in a Maliki way. For example, they would say, Assalamu alaikum, only one salam. You can find that. You would find them in a way or another following the Maliki school in some other teachings, like in Hajj, in some, some opinions. But to say that they are full Malikis, I don't really believe that. Because most people nowadays, they are influenced by a lots of Uh, other opinions you know now for example Moroccans no one when he goes to pray in his house says only one salam most of them say two salam normal as all people in the world mm. all of them put their hands right over left except few people here and there mm. traditional people or, or some people who want to stick to the or, or traditionally uh, uh, opinion but the majority did just put hand uh, right hand on, on the other hand and that's it many people are influenced by the haram where they see yeah. the prayer in in in, in salat tarawih and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they say this is a haram are you going to be better than imams of haram you yeah. know this is what yeah. the people say yeah so therefore that's that's how you can find and this is not only in morocco it's all north africa yeah, yeah. and uh, uh because only because the especially if you're talking about i think if you're talking about the awam the masses the laity yes, you know yes, yes. uh they're, they're just going to They will, they, they, will, they will incline to such sentiments. Oh, look, look what the Imam of the Haram is doing. But I guess yeah. if you're talking about religious institutions uh, there um, and actual tullab al-ilm who are striving to do their best to follow a single madhab, at least in the initial stages of their development as students and then junior scholars and so on, uh, What I can uh, so say, it would be fair to say that in North and West Africa, you know, that's where the Maliki Madhab 
And obviously, you know, the, the madhab is very vast. It's not just the rituals. It's not just salah, wudu. Exactly, uh, exactly. Obviously, it should be at the societal and government level. But obviously, <laughs> exactly. we're, we're in the state that we're in, uh, you know, that the ummah is in. So whenever we're talking about do you follow a madhab, what we really have in mind is do you as a personal individual, are you practicing the rituals uh, exactly according to, to the, mad- uh, the madhab? I think that's the, the, the common understanding. Um, but what I want to what I want to po- point here is that in the whole history, the madhab was never practiced only in a strict opinion. Hmm. We had in the in the in the history, what was called Majarabihil Amal. that means the common actions that people used to follow. Mm. So the madhab goes and works on that and accepts this new opinion. Mm. Although it's not the official opinion in the madhab. Mm. You see? And that's why nowadays Many times when they go back to the madhab, they don't even follow the mashur madhab. For example, let me give you an example. Now, in when Ramadan finishes, okay, first thing in Ramadan, the madhab says when the moon is sighted anywhere in the world, you have to fast. But no one follows this. Every government says, well, we don't. We all we only follow our our moon. Yeah. You see, this is one. Number two, the madhab says that zakatul fitr has to be only get you have you're not allowed to get it only from the food the grains and the food common mm. food mm. you're not allowed to give it as money but all scholars now say no just give it money no problem mm. and they go borrowing this opinion from the hanafis mm. and nowadays when they want to reform the 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 the, the family law they went taken from all types of madhabs especially the divorce they, they, the divorce. Yeah. 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 So therefore, they took it even from Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, where is the madhab? I want to see this madhab. Where is the madhab? Yeah. 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 Um, and um, speaking, of, who would you say are some of the most prominent Maliki scholars who are alive today? Who, who would you say would, would probably be some of the most well, you know, prominent ones that are solid in terms of knowledge? are authorities in issuing fatawa according to the Maliki Madhab, seen as authorities in that. I can speak, I, mean, I can speak about Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Sadiq al-Ghariani of Libya. Mm-hmm. He's a great imam. I can speak about uh, a scholar in Tunisia called Habib al-Tahir. He has mm-hmm. this uh, Fiqh al a great book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two years ago, a great <clears throat> imam <clears throat> in Egypt passed away. <clears throat> Ahmad Tahar Rayyan. He was the sheikh of Malikis in Egypt. Yeah. But he yeah. passed two years ago, rahimahullah. Yeah. Yeah. I can speak about al-allama uh, uh, in, in Mauritania, Ba. They call him Ba. He's a... Abdullah bin Fal al-Alawi. I think something like that. Mm. But they call him Ba. You know, uh, Mauritanians have these uh, types of names. Mm. But he's very famous. Ba al-Alawi. Ba al-Alawi. He's very famous. Ba al-Alawi. Okay. And he has a, he has, he's a, he has a great school, Mahdara, called Nabariya. And he gives lots of lectures there. And he has a lot of students who are scholars who give lectures there as well. So these are 
Yes. Uh, according to, yeah, these are great Malikis and uh, who give lectures, who teach, who, and who give fatawa according to the madhab, yes. In Morocco, uh, there are, but I don't remember a name that I can, can say that he's a great scholar and he has great work. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is what I can say. Okay. And um, when we compare the madhabs, uh, you know, uh, especially when it comes to their usul and how they try to prioritize how evidence should be measured and, and examined. What would you say are some of the unique characteristics of the Maliki madhab uh, compared to the other madhab? Like, so if I were to say, okay, you know, the, the, you know, the usul of the Maliki are compared to the Shafi'i, compared to the Hanabila and the Ahnaf, what, what, what makes that Maliki madhab distinct from the others, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> uh, Maliki's uh, have uh, several usul that it is said that they are known to be uh, more stuck to it. Mm. Like what? Like Amal al Madina. Mm. Like Al uh, Istihsan. Mm. Like Al Maslah al Mursala. Like Maslah al Mursala. Mm. I'll translate this. So, the question is, like said the Dara'a, what mm. is this? Okay. Now, Amal Ahl Medina is the actions of scholars of Medina mm. who inherited from a generation to the Sahaba. Okay? There's one. What is said the Dara'a? Said the means anything that leads to something wrong or something bad. We stop it from the beginning. We don't do mm. it. Mm. Mm. Now, what is Maslaha uh, al-Mursala? The Maslaha is anything that you benefit from. Mm. So if we have something that's the Sharia I didn't speak about, mm. and we don't have any evidence that says that it's, it's not proper, so we don't have something that supports it, nor something that doesn't support it, it's called Maslaha al-Mursala. A beneficial that is umursal means loose. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's not it's not loose here in this meaning. Yeah, yeah. Loose means it's not surrounded with anything else. Mm. It's not prohibited nor for nor uh, obligatory. Yeah. You yeah, see? Yeah. Well therefore, now the question is are these only Maliki uh usul? Mm. Well, al Imam Qarafi, rahimahullah. Who, was, who is one of the great Maliki scholars, and he was a genius, he was in Egypt. He has a book in Usul al-Fiqh, and he says that, actually, they claim that we are the ones who follow these Usul, but actually that's not true. All of them follow these Usul. But maybe we, as Malikis, follow them more than mm, others. Mm, mm. Because Amal Ahl Medina, all of the Imams, Shafi, Ahmed, and others, they agree with Imam Malik in a stage there. Yeah. Maybe Imam Malik passes a stage. Mm. You see? Yeah. This is one. Number two. Sadd al-Dara'i. Sadd is one of the Islamic uh, Yeah, names. yeah. Why did, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala order us to lower our gaze? He says, mm. so that you won't. He says, so that you won't desire and fornicate. Mm. 
So mm. actually, it's to stop fornication. Yes. It's yes. stop committing adultery. Yes. So this is sadriya, you see? Yes, yes, yes. al-Mursala, most of the madhahib take Masalih al-Mursala. Mm. And if you stop Masalih al-Mursala, you won't benefit from a lot of things, actually. You see? Yes. So uh, driving cars, putting uh, the, these uh, uh, these traffic... Uh, 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 traffic, traffic lights, uh, yeah. Traffic lights and stuff like that. All this is al-Masalih al-Mursala. It's something that people benefit from. You can't say it's obligatory, nor you can, nor it's forbidden. It's something that you know, people benefit from. So therefore, uh, Malikis actually don't have something uh, more than other, uh, something that they mm. are the only madhab that focus mm. on mm. and the others don't focus on. But they might be more, uh, they, they might be more stuck to these usul, mm. if mm. I can say. And, you know, touching on Amal Ahl al-Madina, um, you know, here the problem, the problem that I've witnessed, uh, you know, and this is something that I said publicly maybe around five years ago, um, and I still believe it to be the case, that, you know, the Maliki Madhab, unfortunately, is one of the Madhabs that I see mostly misused by Hadathiyun or, or modernists uh, these days. Yes. And... The, uh, and you know they 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 come at it from different angles. So one angle is is the one, uh, and I was hoping to maybe if you could elaborate a bit further, is Amal Ahl al Madina, right? So they would actually come and say uh, that look, you know, Amal Ahl al Madina is more important to the Malikis than even the Sahih Ahadith, right? Uh, and and, and the people that are using this argument, they themselves are, you know, Quranists, Quranists only follow the Quran, Quraniyun sect, or people who are the kind that like to say, we only follow Mutawatir Hadith, not Ahad, you know, weird mm -hmm. groups, right? Oh, yeah. They use this as yeah, an yeah. argument. Look, even the Malikis recognized that when it came to the Ahad Hadith, their authority wasn't that great. This is why they preferred Amal Ahlul Medina over it. And I and this has confused a, a number of brothers, uh, that I know, who are not very intimately familiar with the Maliki Madhab and the concept of Amal Ahlul Medina. So is it the case that you know the, the Maliki scholars, um, if they see a hadith conflict with Amal Ahlul Medina, they prioritize Amal Ahlul Medina over it? Or is there some correct way to understand how they Applied this maxim. Okay, now, first of all, when you open a book of Usul al-Fiqh, you will find a lots of scholars from the Maliki scholars who have several opinions about Amal Ahl Medina. Hmm. What is Amal Ahl Medina that we have to follow? Is it the, the so-called the ancient actions of Medina which was uh, in the last days of Uthman mm. because Uthman before Uthman Umar al-Khattab used for, to prevent people from going out of Medina scholars, he used to prevent them from going out of Medina because they were his parliament if we can say, they were they used to consult him, they used to give him opinions when he wants a law, when he wants anything, they are the ones who give him that. So if 
we don't have these scholars. How are how are we going to deal with with the the new uh, the new uh, problems that we have in our in the states? So therefore, anything they decide, anything they do, it's it's similar to ijma or the majority of the salaf You know. So now, when we say this is amal, that's from the Prophet to the tabi to the Sahaba. To the tabi'een. Is this hadith? Or this this is only opinion? This is hadith. Mm. Because the they Amal al Medina means that this is done by the prophets, the sahaba, the tabi'oon. What is more strong? This or hadith narrated by one one one? So that's why Imam Malik used to say, Ashara an Ashara an Ashara khayru min wahidin an wahid. Mm. Ten by ten by ten is more stronger than one by one one so actually he doesn't reject the hadith yeah he says this is more stronger than that hadith yeah and, and it could also be that uh it's not that the hadith is not authentic but maybe the amal al madina is showing that maybe it's obligated or maybe it's showing that you have to understand it in a certain way. You have to do taqsis, you have to specify uh, a general statement or anything like that. It, so it doesn't mean he's it, rejecting, just I'm using know, Amal al-Madina to understand it in a different way. Is that possible? Exactly. exactly. And it means that if I can suspect about a hadith that is narrated by one by one, I wouldn't suspect about something that is narrated or done by ten by ten by ten. You know? Mm. It's generations after generations. So there was more to be uh, uh, to, to to satisfy me than something that I can suspect that well how maybe this is you know yeah so therefore this is the meaning of amal ahl Medina, and that's why Imam Malik would now the second question did Imam Malik rahimahullah reject something because of amal ahl Medina? this is very important did Imam Malik reject something. Because when we go back to see this, we would find that he didn't reject something. No. But what happened is that he understood. Now, let me give you an example. There is hadith that says that that means when you want to buy something from somebody, as long as you didn't separate from each other, Therefore, I can say, well, okay, okay, I changed my mind. I don't want to buy this. Mm. But if I go, but we, when we finish and we decide to sell, you give me, you gave me the money. I took the commodity. That's it. If I want to nullify this transaction, that's up to me. But you can't just say, okay, okay, I decide. I I changed my, I changed up my mind. Mm. This is what Shafi'i Ahmed and others say. It says when you finish the conversation. You went to another conversation, that's it. Hmm. So Imam Malik, what does Imam Malik say? He says, That means, let us imagine that they were in a boat. So they're with each other. He's never going to separate from them. He's in the same place. So how are we going to practice this hadith? He doesn't want to say, I reject the hadith. He says that when they uh, separate, when they get separated by the conversation, not when their bodies get separated. Uh-huh. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is Mal- this is Imam Malik's opinion. 
He says when they finish the conversation and they go to another conversation, yeah. that's it. Okay. The transactions are fulfilled. Okay. So others say, well, Imam Malik rejected the hadith. He didn't reject the hadith. He understood it in this way. In this way. Yeah. Yeah. And you can apply this in other in other things. Yes. You know, and, and I was also going to ask you about Masalih Mursada. You know, it seems to me that you've already kind of answered the question by the way you described it. Because again, this is another this is another area that I see modernists, um, you know, uh, toying with, uh, to be honest, you know, uh, to the point where they're emphasizing pragmatism, being pragmatic and being practical. And, you know, we, we need to uh, make sure we're looking at this masalih or, or benefit, cost-benefit calculus at, uh, at each time we're trying to make a decision to the point where they're undermining the nusus, the religious text from the Quran and Sunnah. And a lot of the times they're throwing this name out there, you know, this the maxim out there of masalih mursala, you know. And, uh, but it seems that you've already clarified that you know the Malikis will never will, will will only say that this applies to things that the Sharia is silent on, right? Like they will never, no one's ever said that. Okay, you know, this is what the Quran says, but you know, to be pra more practical, no, we're going to follow uh, what what we think are masalih. I mean, it, I think this is a misunderstanding, correct? Well, this is Let me let me tell you something important. Imam Malik, Imam Malik uh, divides uh, his uh, fiqh to two types of, of branches. Ibadat, which the mind, the rational thinking doesn't have anything to do with. And Mu'amalat, which means all types of things that you use in your life. Hmm. So, in the ibadat, there is nothing except following. You just follow. Because it's not rational thinking. It's following. So there, that's why, that's where he he wrote, uh, Shatibi wrote his book, it means you are not allowed to add anything to the ibadat, the, the worships, because it's an innovation in the religion. Mm. Now, when we go back to transactions, to the life, to how to deal, Islam gave us uh, main ideas, main things to do to uh, to deal with that. If you follow those rules, therefore, the maslaha can go inside these types of things. We would see after that, what is the maslaha here, what is the maslaha here, etc. Mm. So, now these guys... These guys don't pay any attention to the text. They consider the text nothing. And they want to go back directly to their minds. Malik never said that. He never said that you go back to your minds and you don't pay attention at all to, to the text. You see? Yeah, yeah. And there, this is where Imam Shatibi wrote his book, Al-Muafaqat. So sorry to say, that the muafaqat of Imam Shatibi has been understood so bad and so wrong. Mm. And a lot of people from these reformers and these modernists and stuff like that, they keep on saying, well, Imam Qarafi said, Imam, Imam Shatibi said, Imam Shatibi said, as if Imam Shatibi destroyed the Sharia. Yeah. Imam Shatibi, yeah. so, he's innocent from these things. He said, I don't, I don't give permission to anybody to read my book, to read my book. 
unless he is capable in the whole Sharia, and then he is allowed to read my book. Mm. Um, and you know, uh, you know, nearing uh, nearing a, to the a close to the close of the session. Uh, you know, what what advice would you give Muslims, um, especially English speaking ones, um, who wish to study the Maliki Madhab? You know, uh, the, uh, you know. Are there any resources out there for, for you know, for, for English speakers, or would you or would you say no? You have to learn Arabic first, and then you can go study. No chance uh, for you to you know follow this method <laughs> without English. Or you know, what what an English speaker who would like to study that Maliki Madhab, what can he do? Okay, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> You can't understand Islam without understanding Arabic. Mm. Because Islam, it's like, look, let me just, I, I, I don't want to compare, but I, I have to compare here. Judaism would never be understood without Hebrew. Mm. You won't get the main, the, the, the main idea by only translations. The same thing, Islam would never be understood properly without Arabic. So therefore, who wants to understand the Qur'an, he has to know Arabic. Because when you always follow only the translations, you are following an interpretation of the translator. You're not following the, the text. And this means you're always putting a barrier between you and the, the original text. The same thing to say to the Sunnah, the same thing to say... And I remember, I was teaching... It says to Abu Zayd al-Qayrawani in English, okay? And I used several translations. Translation of Aisha Bawler, translation of the Moroccan, uh, the Moroccan translation, translation of somebody who was Egyptian, and then I discovered sometimes a very, very, very huge mistake. Very, I mean, it's not a huge, I can say it's dangerous. Because when you, if you are going to follow that mistake, that means you understood it totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing to say about the Quran. If you are going to understand the Quran, are you going to understand it by the translation of Abdullah Yusuf Ali or by, uh, uh, <laughs> or by, uh, uh, and all, all these translators, or you need to compare. How are you going to compare? What are you going to do? Unless you know the language. And I, I, I remember we used to study the Quran and I used to tell them, okay, this translation is more closer to the, uh, to, to the meaning. This, no, no, this is this far from the meaning. And sometimes it's here, sometimes it's there. Sometimes this translator gets it and sometimes the other translator gets it. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, but so that we don't make things difficult for our brothers uh, who speak English, I can say if you have a scholar that you trust and he can uh, teach you the primary uh, lectures until you want to study Arabic or you, you put it in your mind, actually, you can go try, start by the, the primary texts yeah. as we do. I mean, there's, no, there's no shadow of a doubt that if anyone wants to be a serious student of knowledge that he's going to have to prioritize uh, learning Arabic. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But I was thinking more of the person who's not really aspiring to be a student of knowledge, but at the same time, he would like to 
pray his salawat and uh, follow, uh, you know, uh, you know, make wudu and follow the rules of purity according to a madhab. Does he have to he have to do these things? Uh, English speaker or not English speaker, right? So, you know, I mean, basically, there are laymen who just want to practice their basic rituals according to a madhab because these are things that they that they have to do, you know? Well, actually, there are uh, lots of uh, small primary uh, books that, uh, that are translated to English, mm. like uh, the introduction to Ibn Hashir, uh, which is the primary teaching of uh, uh, creed and uh, the five pillars of Islam and uh, some uh, morals and manners. So it's a poem, but it's translated. It has a lot of translations in English, not only one translation. I, I, I saw several translations, and I taught it in English, actually. So you have this, and you have Al-Ashmawiya, uh, and you have Al-Akhdari, and I have a commentary on Akhdari, but in Arabic, actually. Mm. But it's uh, it's very interesting because it teaches uh, primary creed and morals. And this is very interesting in the Maliki books. They always give an introduction of uh, creed and morals. Mm. Or they end by morals, and they start by introduction of creed. And mm. in the and, uh, and after that, they enter to the jurisprudence, the, the how to worship God and how to how to deal with transactions and all types of, of life aspects. Yes. So you have an assessment of Yisrael Qaroin translated as well. So all these are translated, actually. You have translations. Mm -hmm. But even translations, you need somebody to teach you the translation. Yeah, yeah. And this is even in Arabic, actually. You can't just go follow a book. I remember when I was young, yeah. I went to my grandfather, and I told him that I read the assessment of Yisrael. I just read it. So no, that's interesting. Now go to Khalil. I went to a, a bookstore. I bought Khalil. When I opened it, I couldn't understand nothing at all, as if I'm reading another language. So it's written in a way that you can't understand it unless you have a commentary, you have a teacher, you have mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. so it's not always easy. And then I remember that <laughs> when we were teenagers in the school, uh, there was, uh, we had a professor, Rahimullah, he passed away now. He was Syrian. And he was, uh, he was a very humble teacher. He used to teach us the Islamic studies in the school. So when he passed on something that he thought it's not time to teach it, he said, no, 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 just pass this, pass this. Something that he was shy to teach it. I read it, but I couldn't understand it. And I didn't understand it until years and years after that, when I became. <laughs> so, so subhanAllah, yani, uh, what I want to say, that's if you don't have a teacher and he doesn't teach you things, you either never understand or you understand, you misunderstand. If you misunderstand, that's a big problem, actually. Because you go practicing something as if you are sure that that's the right thing. And actually, you're, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's well, why scholars used to say, don't seek knowledge from somebody who sought knowledge from books. Mm. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have a professor. Mm. And don't uh, memorize Quran from somebody who just memorized it from a book without a professor. Mm. Mm. Mm.
Great advice, great advice, Sheikh. And you know, just to bring this to a close, uh, nothing specific to the Maliki Madhab, but do you have any final words of just general advice to you know our, our listeners who who are listening to us today? It doesn't even have to be related to this topic. Just general advice that that you, that you'd like to give to 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 Muslims. Yeah, what I can say is that our religion started by read. The first word in Islam, first word that was revealed to the Prophet is read. So our religion is the religion of knowledge, of seeking knowledge, of giving time to knowledge. So I advise all of my brothers and sisters to give time to the religion. You can't just say I'm Muslim and then you never go studying, uh, you never go seeking knowledge, you never open a, a book, you never go listen to a lecture, and then when you fall in a problem, you say, well, I wish I had, an, uh, I, I studied this, or I wish I knew this. So therefore, from the beginning, go study, understand your Quran. How can you be a Muslim without understanding the Quran? You can recite the Quran, but you need to understand the Quran as well. You can understand that you have to understand the Sunnah of the Prophet recite, read the life of the Prophet so that you can raise up your ritual, uh, your faith. So this is the main thing that I can uh, advise my my brothers and sisters. And keep on stuck to your religion. Keep stand firm on it. And don't open your ears to any of these guys that attack Islam. Never, never give them time. Because sometimes when you give them time and you're not capable, you're not, you, mm. even I know, I know people who were scholars. Or they used to give lectures, shuyukh. And when they went opening their, their ears to these types of uh, suspensions, they they got lost. They lost their religion. They lost their faith. So the one who is serious in following his Islam, who is, he has to be afraid to lose his Islam. And nowadays are the days that the Prophet says uh, that there are days coming to you when the man wakes up as a believer believer, and in the night he becomes a non-believer. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. He says he, he, he sells his religion with miserable amount of money. Alhamdulillah. Barakallahu feekum, Shaykh, for this uh, you know, educational discussion um, surrounding the Maliki Madhab and you know, clarifying some of the popular misconceptions surrounding it and you know jazakallah khair uh, as well for your you know beneficial advice uh, and you know i'm confident uh, our listeners will be better educated as a result of this inshallah inshallah we hope that you'll uh, continue to honor blogging theology with uh, future appearances to discuss other beneficial topics uh, and uh, with that i'd like to uh, or you and our listeners with the Islamic readings of Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.